So take your copy of God's Word with you, and uh, uh, will you, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and here we are this morning at our final study in this short but powerful book of Philippians. I know when we started this, you thought, oh, four chapters, this shouldn't take long. And if you remember, I warned you that this was going to be uh, time, uh, we were not going to be constrained by time in this study of God's Word, that we're going to take our time, and we have taken our time. In fact, this week I celebrated my one-year anniversary as your pastor, and one year ago this Sunday I started Philippians. And so here we are, good time to wrap it up on a one year. How about that? One year in Philippians Uh, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. So some of you are rejoicing that we're finally at the end of Philippians. One of the big ideas that we've seen throughout this study is the joy that's found in the believer who is faithfully following Christ. And you need to connect the two. Joy will be yours in Christ when you are faithfully following Christ. When you are faithfully living for God's glory, Paul has made Jesus Christ the focus of this book. And maybe you've never thought about this, but if you go through and you, and you look them all up, about 38 times in four chapters, Paul points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And with Paul's focus on Christ, he has been helping us understand that real joy, and as we've seen here in chapter 4, real contentment, And those two are connected, joy and contentment. Real joy and real contentment as Christians is only found in the life of the believer that is living for God's glory. To glorify your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I mean make much of Him and point to Him with the way that you live so that others will see and believe and glorify God themselves. We've also been seeing here in these closing verses of this book how to learn contentment. And it ought not surprise us that believers in and followers of Jesus who learn contentment in the Christian life also find the joy that only God can give. Now, as we consider the closing verses here in Philippians 4, there's one last reminder that the lives of those who claim to be followers of Christ should also should also glorify Christ. One more reminder here, and it points to this, living a life that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I was thinking about this, and I'm reminded of this when I come to these verses several years ago now. My grandfather Shipley, that's my on my mom's side, my mother's father, my grandfather Shipley went home to be with the Lord. But when he was living, and we would visit them in South Bend, Indiana, when we left, every time we left, the last words out of his mouth were, remember whose you are. He meant a lot by that. Uh, one of the things that he meant was remember that you're mine and live up to the name you know, that you have in our family. But more importantly, he meant, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, remember whose you are. Remember that you are his and live like it. That's really what he wanted us. He didn't care so much about the Shipley name or or the fact that we were his descendants. That was important to him. But more importantly to him was that we live up to the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you name the name of Christ, 
His motto was, remember whose you are. And I have never forgotten that. In fact, we've never forgotten that as a family. We keep uh, reminding each other of that. When I come to these last four verses of Philippians 4, I think of that little saying of my grandfather's. Remember whose you are. Saints, as we're going to see here, the main theme of, in these remaining verses revolves around people called saints. And you might wonder, who are saints? Saints, as we're going to see here, are people who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. God calls those people His children. He also calls those people saints. And with that thought, we have one more step to learning contentment as believers in Jesus. If you're going to learn to be content as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're going to learn to keep your eyes fixed on Christ with every day that you live, to borrow my grandfather's saying, you need to remember whose you are every day. So let's look at this passage here. Philippians 4, uh, go to verse 20 and follow along. And I want to point out this morning four truths that you need to pursue as you remember whose you are and learn contentment. Follow along. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. You look at uh, beginning in verse 20 of Philippians 4 at your copy of God's Word. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, if you were to sit down and read through Philippians, and you could do it in just a few minutes, and you get to the end, like we are here in chapter 4, it would be easy for you to get to these last few verses and kind of skim over these closing remarks. But every word of God's word is meaningful and worth our attention. And so we give attention to these, what we might think of as just simple closing remarks, but, but they're important words, important thoughts for us here. There are some important reminders seen in these closing verses that remind believers in Jesus whose they are and help lead believers to learn contentment. So here's the first thing I want you to note. First, remembering whose you are means that you need to remember that you are not your own. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not your own. This is a good thing in our culture, in our, in, even in, internally, selfishly, we don't want anyone to control our lives. We have the way set out that we want to live our lives. And, and we work really hard to order our days around the ways that we like to do things and how we can be comfortable throughout our days. But you need to know that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not your own, and that is a good thing. Verse 21 says, greet every saint. Look at verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. And then verse 22 says, all the saints greet you. Remember I said saints here. The word saints can be translated set apart ones or separated ones or sanctified ones, but it's probably best defined as holy ones. 
The term holy one is also used of God. You know that if you read the scriptures. And we know that God in his holiness is completely sinless and he is separated from sin. So a good way to describe a saint is the same idea here. A good way to describe a saint is one who is a person who is separated from sin and is set apart to God for holy purposes. That is a reminder to you that if you are a believer in Jesus, you are not your own. But you are set apart by God for righteousness, for righteous living, for godly living, to live a God-honoring life. That's verse 20 here in Philippians 4. To our God and Father be glory for how long? Forever and ever And to put a point on it, amen, it says. This is the same truth that Paul proclaimed in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Just listen to it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You're no longer your own. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that is living a God-honoring life, living for God's glory. And Paul is pointing to it here. Now, one of the keys to being a saint is found in three words in verse 21 when Paul says, greet every saint, here are the three words, in Christ Jesus. If you have believed in Jesus, if you've repented of your sins and believed in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you are in Christ Jesus. You are set apart to God for holy purposes. You are no longer your own. Now you might think you don't often feel like a saint. (laughs) And if I asked for a show of hands, I probably wouldn't get any. Who feels like a saint this morning, right? We don't often feel like saints. Why? Because we're still fighting sin. And so we don't often feel like saints. But we're not talking about how you feel. We're talking about what you are positionally in Christ because of Christ. This is not dependent upon how you behave or feel as a believer. Now, don't get me wrong. God calls you to behave like a saint. (laughs) He wants you to be faithful to him. He wants you to walk with Christ and grow in the word of Christ. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. There's a reason for that. He wants you to live like a saint. But it's understandable if we would all agree that, yeah, sometimes I don't feel like a saint. I don't feel like I make it through the day without sinning. Yes, it is almost impossible, isn't it? Living a holy life is, we need to get our heads squarely straightened on this. The, the, The idea of living a holy life is not so that people will look at us and say, oh, what holy people. Living a righteous life, a God-honoring life, is not so that people will, will look at our lives and say, oh, well, they're such good people. The point is, is so that we can point to Christ and help people realize that we're sinners saved by grace. I'm still fighting sin. I'm still going to have to make an apology to somebody, often my wife or one of my children from time to time. And growing up, my kids would 
see me do that, and it's a hard thing to do to get your family together and say, kids or, or dear, I was wrong, and I confess that it's sin. Will you forgive me? I've asked God to forgive me. That's hard to do. But what the world needs to see believers doing is, is admitting when they've been wrong and showing a desire to change and taking steps to change as you follow Christ. Saints are to be worshipers of God. And the world needs to see that. We're not worshiping stuff. We're not worshiping things. We're not worshiping accomplishments in our own lives. But we're worshiping God. And saints are to be worshipers of God. And that should be evident in our lives when the world watches us. Just as Paul says here in verse 20, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Remember whose you are. Does your life glorify God? Are you, are you seeking to live a life every day that brings glory to God? In fact, in that phrase, there's another identifying characteristic of saints. God is the heavenly father of every believer in Jesus. But unlike an earthly father, and none of you have had a perfect earthly father, and neither have I, my father would be the first to say that, but as good as you might have had a, a, a earthly father, your heavenly father is perfect. He is completely just and righteous and good, and He is also a forgiving and gracious and kind Father. So we can be grateful that God forgives when we repent for not behaving like saints and admitting that we aren't behaving like saints at times. Another reminder here that you're not your own is seen in the fact that God will be glorified forever and ever among His people. That's God's desire that he would be glorified forever and ever, seen there in verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Now, as you live with this reminder that you are not your own, understanding that you're set apart to live lives for the glory of God, you need to remember that you're, you're just getting started. <laughs> and I know that some of you have been believers for a long time, and you feel like you should have made much more progress by now and and maybe some of us would agree that you should have made much more progress by now. I know you'd look at my life and say, hey, I wish he'd you know, get a lot further along, or at least the people that are closest to me look at my life and go, man, he should have been a lot further along by now. <laughs> but just remember, you're just getting started in living a life that glorifies God. You're just getting started. Do not lose hope. Do not lose heart. And yes, there are times you don't feel like a saint, but if you've, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, he calls you a saint. You are positionally in Christ, according to God, a saint. Now now let's live up to that. Let's seek to live lives that glorify God because we are not our own. And so learning contentment means you remember whose you are and you do that by remembering that you are not your own. Um, Interestingly, this is the same truth we hear in 1 Corinthians 6 and verses 19 and 20 where we hear this warning against sexual immorality when it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So attitude and speech Yes, we're to be living lives in attitude and speech and thought life that glorifies God and with our bodies, with the way that we live our lives from 
head to toe, and all of us should be bringing glory to God. That should be our desire, and we need the Lord's help for that. And it makes sense that we don't always feel like saints because we're not always living up to God's standard of righteousness, but He gives us His Spirit and His Word to help us. And we need to lean on His Word and His Spirit for that help that He promises. Now, secondly, I want you to see this. Remembering whose you are means remembering you are not alone. Yeah, that's a good reminder at this point. When you, when you realize that you're not always acting like a saint, you need to know that you are not alone. Saints, that's plural. The saints make up the church. The saints are the church. The church is not the building. As nice as we want to make this building, the building is not the church. The people are the church. The saints make up the church. The saints are the church. Note verses 21 and 22 again. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers, that's saints, that's believers, that's the church. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those, those saints, of Caesar's household. He's talking about God's church. This is God's church. Every saint, the brothers, all the saints, and those, those believers of Caesar's household, that's the church. And the use of the word greet here three times is interesting. He says, greet, greet, greet. (laughs) It's a strong bond of fellowship there. He wants everyone to get the greeting from him. He wants every saint, not all the saints as a group, but every saint as individuals. Each saint was worthy of a greeting from Paul, and he wanted each saint to be greeted in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each saint was worthy of that greeting. There was no partiality, no favoritism going on here. That's an important point to remember. Remembering whose you are means you remember that in the life of the church, there's no room for playing favorites. Remember this, God, yes, God gives varying gifts in the church, and we ought to thank God for that, that we are not all the same, and that we are gifted differently for different purposes in the church. But you need to understand that for all believers, the ground is level at the cross, All believers are on level ground before the cross of Christ. And when you understand that and live by that truth, there will be fellowship among God's children. And by God's design, fellowship among God's children, among the saints, no matter your position or station in life, fellowship among the saints leads to contentment. You know why? Because God gives wonderful gifts like that to His children who honor Him, who obey Him, who serve together with the body of Christ, with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. When saints have true fellowship with one another, and I'm not talking about just having a meal together, although meals are great and we're going to have one in a couple of weeks, but that's not, that's not fellowship. I know we're, I, I don't throw any pies at me yet, or maybe, go ahead. Um, listen, that is good, that is good fellowship to have together, but that's not the limit of our fellowship. We don't have to have a meal to have fellowship. In fact, our fellowship should be going on here in this place. And, I, and when I dismiss you this morning, I believe I'm going to see it. 
because I know you aren't, many of you are not very quick to leave, and that's a good thing because you fellowship with one another. You encourage each other, and you're remembering one another. You're praying for one another. When saints have true fellowship with one another that goes far beyond a meal together, when the saints love one another and care for the needs of one another, they glorify and they make much of their Savior, their Lord and Jesus Christ. And that leads us to a third truth we've got to remember if we're going to learn contentment. Remembering whose you are means you live to give glory to God, not to get glory for yourself. This is an important part of learning contentment. What should be the most joyful experience of a saint on earth? And if I gave you some time to think about this, you'd you'd probably give me this answer, and I hope you would. But remember that a saint is one who is already in Christ. And so I'm not talking about the the fact that you come to Christ being the greatest joy. I'm talking about the what is it after that? That's your greatest joy. One of the most joyful experiences of a saint should be that of seeing another person give their lives to Christ. One of your highest joys as a follower of Christ should be that of seeing another person surrender and believe in and confess their sins and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then closely followed by that should be the joy that you receive when you see another believer growing in Christ. So I think, as believers, we really ought to look forward to it and pray for God to do this in our midst, that we would see people confess their sin and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved, and then see people growing in Christ. What a joyful experience. We look for joy in all the wrong places. We ought to learn how to look for joy as believers in Jesus Christ. Note that we can see that here in verse 22. Look at it again. Uh, Verse 22 says, All the saints greet you, and note this phrase, especially those of Caesar's household. That's remarkable. Pastor and author John MacArthur writes of this saying, Paul's reference to those of Caesar's household was especially meaningful to the Philippians. Philippi was a Roman colony, and its citizens were Roman citizens. Because of their close ties with Rome, it is possible that the Philippians knew some of the members of Caesar's household. Caesar's household included more than just the members of his family. It included all those in his direct employ, both lowly slaves and high-ranking freemen. In today's terminology, they were government workers. During his, during his imprisonment at Rome, Paul would have come in contact with many of them. He goes on to say, some of the members of the imperial household, such as those of the Praetorian Guard, the apostle refers to in chapter 1, verse 13, were led to faith in Christ by Paul. Others, however, were already Christians before Paul came to Rome. Paul includes both groups, those saved through his ministry and those already believers in this greeting from Caesar's household. Both he and the Philippians were no doubt thrilled that the household of the pagan emperor had yielded up many souls to the kingdom of Christ. The joy of saints is to see others rescued from the dark depths of sin and brought to salvation in Christ. 
Is that the kind of joy that you're anticipating, that you look forward to, that you pray for? We need to learn as believers in Jesus Christ to have our priorities in order. Why are we here as a church? We're here so that people will come to Christ and so that people will grow in Christ. We want to see both of those things happening. We ought to pray for that. Here's another reminder. Are you concerned about where our world is headed? And you know, when I say that, you immediately think of where our government is headed, where, our, where the world that we live in, our, the United States of America. Are you concerned? I believe you are. I hear it in your voices sometimes. And you hear it from me sometimes. I'm concerned. Pray for those who are in authority over us that God will capture their affections and help them see that they need Jesus. That they will be saved. Pray for them. So remembering whose you are means, first, you're not your own. Second, you're not alone. Third, God gets the glory. And then fourth, remembering whose you are means that you ought to treasure the grace of God that is yours. Treasure the grace of God that is yours. Look at verse 23 again. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's a fitting place to finish our study of Philippians. God's grace. Do you treasure God's grace on your life? What is God's grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. Don't ever forget that God's grace on your life is unmerited. In in other words, you did not and you could not and you cannot earn it. And you treasure the grace of God when you remember that God's children are the recipients of God's grace in all its richness and fullness. You just need eyes to see it. It's why we often need to stop and say, I thank God for, and if nothing comes out of your mouth, take some time and think. I thank God for, you ought to be able to fill many blanks with what you thank God for because of His grace and its richness and fullness. You just need eyes to see it. So you ought to ask for God to give you eyes that would see how gracious He is to you. You almost need new eyes to see it. And you know what? When God saves you, He gives you those new eyes. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you His Word. Especially with the Word, you have every reminder you need of the grace of God showered upon you, and the Holy Spirit will help bring the Word back to your mind to help you think of these wonderful acts of mercy and grace that God has showered on you. God has given you the Bible, His Word. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you also have His Spirit in your heart, in your mind, to help you take the truths of the God's Word, not only to strengthen you with faith, but help you to see how gracious God is to you. And if you're going to read the Bible, if you will read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will help you see and understand the grace of God toward you. In fact, tonight we're going to come back and continue our series on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. We're going to talk about that illuminating work that God does by His Spirit when you take the Word into your heart and mind and life. And as you drink the Word of God into your soul, into your mind, into your life, 
your vision for the grace of God becomes clearer and you begin to see all the treasures that are yours because of God's grace. Oh, that'll bring contentment. When you begin to see clearly all the grace that God has showered on you as compared to the things that you're trying to gain in this world, God's grace is far greater, far, far richer, far, far more lavish. The gift of salvation, think of it. The gift of salvation from sins, unmerited by you. You did not earn forgiveness of sins. You didn't even stop sinning first before God saved you. <laughs> and you still are sinning. We're still fighting sin. But because of God's gift of salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ's work on the cross, that is the most incredible gift of grace that you can enjoy as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that ought to give you joy every day. It is better than any gift someone can give you here on earth. And when you experience God's grace, you experience God's unearned undeserved favor on your life and that should lead to your contentment. Maybe you have not trusted in Jesus Christ this morning. Maybe you're hearing these things this morning and you're, and you're realizing, I've not done that. I've not confessed that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm telling you that that's what the Bible tells you about you, your life. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you've not trusted Jesus Christ... Everything that you're hearing today is yours in Christ if you will confess that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus. You can do that in this moment, in the quietness of your heart, before God, confess to Him in prayer that you're a sinner and tell Him you believe in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and He will save you. You can do that right here, right in this moment. Although I'd be happy to talk to you after the service about that, do not wait. Charles Spurgeon used to tell the story, goes like this, of a large sum of money that was given to a man named Roland Hill to dispense to a poor pastor. Thinking that the amount was too much to send all at once, Hill forwarded just a portion along with a note that said simply, more to follow. <laughs> In a few days, the man received another envelope containing the same amount and with the same message. In fact, they continued along with those cheering words until the entire sum had been received. Spurgeon used that story to illustrate that the good things that you receive from God always come with the same prospect of more to follow. There's more to follow. In Spurgeon's words, he said, when God forgives our sins, there's more forgiveness to follow. He justifies us in the righteousness of Christ, but there's more to follow. He adopts us into his family, but there's more to follow. He prepares us for heaven, but there's more to follow. He gives us grace, but there's more to follow. He helps us to old age, but there's still more to follow. Even when we arrive in the world to come, there will still be more to follow. There's joy 
for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Remember whose you are. There's contentment for believers in Jesus who treasure God's grace. Bask in the glory of God's grace in your life. Drink in and enjoy God's unmerited favor on you through the Lord Jesus Christ because saints learn contentment when they remember whose they are and they treasure God's grace. 